Did you know that over 60,000 new tracks are uploaded to Spotify every single day? That's a new track every 1.4 seconds, and that's just on one platform. With so much music now available, it's more important than ever to stand out from the crowd. So it's not surprising that more artists are starting to use less conventional sonic textures in their music, like field recordings. Perhaps you've always wanted to infuse the sounds of nature or your favourite city into your own tracks, but not having the right gear or knowledge might have held you back. Well, if that's the case, you're going to love the brand new guide I just created, teaching you how to start field recording with just a smartphone. And it's all yours for free at femalediymusician.com forward slash learn with Isabel. Yep, you really do just need a humble smartphone and some minimal extra gear that doesn't have to break the bank to get started with field recording. And I've laid it all out in this handy five-point checklist. So download it for free at femalediymusician.com forward slash learn with Isabel and elevate your music to the next level. Hey, Knob Twiddlers. I'm thrilled to share that season three of the Girls Twiddling Knobs podcast is sponsored by the lovely folks at Isotope. Now, Isotope design award-winning audio plugins, and I'm actually using some of the fabulous tools inside their RX9 software to get my voice sounding crystal clear inside today's episode. And when you use the code GIRLSPOD10, you'll get 10% off any plugin purchase on their site, excluding subscriptions and a whole free month of their amazing Music Production Suite Pro instead of the standard seven-day trial. Just go to isotope.com forward slash girlspod to find out more. All too often, women are just expected to feel more confident in order to better weather an environment that is still unequal, unbalanced and sometimes unwelcoming. And the hard truth is that there will be times when we're totally clear on our boundaries and assert them clearly with other people and are able to explain the reasons we can or can't negotiate on them too. And yet, they still won't be respected or received. Maybe you'll even be gaslit in the process, being told you're overreacting or that there's no need to get so tetchy. In these situations, it's important to be clear on what happens next for you. Do you stick or do you twist? Hello and welcome to Girls Twiddling Knobs. My name's Isabel and over the last decade, my self-produced and self-released music has amassed over 25 million Spotify streams. I also have a PhD in sonic arts, but I wasn't always this confident with music tech. In fact, I still hear those self-doubt gremlins in my head from time to time. I started this podcast to help more female-identifying musicians start recording and producing their music and learn from other women making music with technology. If that's your cup of tea, then you're in the right place, my friend. Let's dive in. Hello Knob Twiddlers and welcome back to Girls Twiddling Knobs. Now today I want to talk about something that's so important but can also feel pretty tricky and that's being assertive in music tech settings. And what I mean by this is anywhere like a recording studio, a music tech class and even setting up for a live gig, all of these settings are places that many women can struggle to feel heard, seen or respected. I've had a very mixed experience myself and have found that as I've gotten older and longer in the tooth, it's definitely improved. 
but I do have some pretty nails down a chalkboard moments to share in this episode that help demonstrate some of the contributing factors to a lack of my own assertiveness and then a concerted effort on my part to change this. And while some women have better experiences than others, many female musicians, such as the vast majority of my students, for example, have shared how difficult they find asserting their needs, opinions and boundaries in these music tech contexts. For this reason, it can feel pretty vulnerable making music in these settings too, which is obviously not ideal as a musician. So in this episode, we're going to draw from real artists' experiences to try and better understand why women might find it hard to be assertive in music tech spaces. And of course, we'll be following this up by unpacking ways to cultivate more assertiveness so you can make your ideas heard, your needs met and your boundaries respected. And in case anyone listening to this right now is thinking silently in their heads, but Isabel, won't everyone think I'm a total bitch if I show up with that energy? Or, but Isabel, I don't want to come across as aggressive. Or, but Isabel, I just want to make sure everyone gets along and has a nice time. Yeah, we'll get into that too. So firstly, let's just examine the idea that music tech spaces make women feel less confident or assertive. Number one, this is a generalisation. We've had guests on this podcast who have actually had some really positive experiences and for a number of reasons have felt on an equal footing in recording studios, music technology classes and in live environments too. And I also have these same positive experiences from my past. It's absolutely not inevitable that every woman is going to feel less confident and assertive in these settings. It's very important to note, however, how other more intersectional contributing factors such as race, class, age, mental health and more will impact this too. Additionally, someone's early experiences growing up will have a huge impact, such as if you were taught that being good was more important than being heard, for example. We absolutely have to be aware that this conversation is highly nuanced and varied from an individual perspective, but we also have to acknowledge that on a more general level, the statistics speak for themselves. Still, women are hugely underrepresented in audio engineering, music production and live sound, and the numbers of male music technology students far outweighs that of female students, especially at undergraduate and postgraduate level. And I thought it would be helpful to draw from some of my own experiences to give a little more flesh to the bones on this whole topic. So since the age of 16, I've been in a variety of music technology settings, and that's over 20 years, so there's a lot to draw from. My very first experience of a recording studio was one where I was the only woman in the room almost the entire time. The other women who were sometimes there were a violinist and a cellist, and my role was that of a singer. I was 16, so very young and very inexperienced, and this was in the early noughties, as in literally the year 2000. So I really hadn't had any experience of using a door myself or recording anything other than with a four-track tape machine. So my very first experience of a recording studio was that these were spaces that men built, controlled and dominated, and that women were guests brought in by men to embellish male creations. And it actually really jars with me even saying that out loud. There's something that feels so crude about it when you commit it to a sentence, but there was no other conclusion to be drawn. As I spent more time in studios, whether they be commercial or in someone's home, DIY constructed or expensively designed, 
This was the reality. Therefore, asking a question about the recording process felt pretty terrifying for me. And even just joining in a conversation with a group of men who were mostly in their mid-twenties and older felt really hard and awkward. Giving my opinion, especially a contradictory one, was something I felt very uneasy about and I just don't think I ever did at that age. I was lucky in some respects because, at the very least, no one in those first few studio settings ever tried to take advantage of me. And people were nice, but it definitely didn't feel like I was somewhere I was comfortable. I felt like an awkward guest always looking for signs I had overstayed my welcome. And I must be honest and say that it's for this reason I sometimes struggle to relate to musicians who say they've never experienced any challenges as a woman in music. Because just the blatantly obvious truth that there weren't any women sitting at the desk, setting up the mics or making production decisions in the studio environments I was physically in, saw on TV or even heard about from other people, was a big red flag to me that if I wanted to do any of those things as a woman, it was going to be a challenge. This feeling of being a body out of place is something sociologist Nirwal Puwar explores in her book Space Invaders. Inside, she makes an important observation that those usually deemed to be outsiders due to their race or gender can be included or promoted by speaking the legitimate language and having the right gait and cadence in social situations, cultural capital as well as social capital, by way of the right networks. Bua says these are all part of the tacit markers of acceptance and respect. Outsiders, in terms of race and gender, especially need these attributes to carry weight in the field and become acceptable outsiders. And the same is true for women in music technology spaces like studios. If you can pass as being more like one of the boys, it's easier to benefit from a greater sense of acceptance. Likewise, if you're a man and don't act like one of the boys, you may find music tech spaces uncomfortable. And this is then also not to mention the experience of trans and non-binary musicians who then have an added layer of having a gender identity and expression that may not match other people's expectations or their own internal experiences. But it's safe to say that for me, starting out in music, anyone who was not presenting as some version of cis-heteromasculine was a space invader in recording studios and those who could pass more in these settings seem to explicitly demonstrate more confidence and assertiveness. I also noticed that this passing wasn't always with regards to acting more masculine, but also having skills that were respected in other masculine associated areas of music. For example, female musicians who are highly proficient at an instrument considered to be technically demanding, or in music theory, had an extra level of clout, even if this didn't totally equalise their positioning. Singers were without a doubt the most vulnerable to the at best sidelining and at worst objectification and disrespect women often report experiencing in the studio. And this perspective I've just shared is largely of women recording in studios, but not necessarily explicitly following a career as a sound engineer and producer in studios. So what of these experiences? Well, producer and sound engineer Grace Banks spoke openly in a piece for The Quietus about how recording studios subliminally silence women. 
From not being recognised as the lead sound engineer to being surrounded by pictures of successful men, Banks felt that the dominant and at times hyper-glorified male presence in recording studio environments affects the creative process. She describes how this impact how she might show up in these spaces as the difference between feeling that I belong or am an imposter or feeling supported or undermined. These affect my performances, whether I choose to voice opinions and the quality of my work, whether as musician, sound engineer or producer. Environmental factors leading to such feelings can be unquantifiable and subliminal, but they are nevertheless there. And Banks is right. These dynamics can often be unquantifiable, subliminal and difficult to even articulate. If you're unlucky, they're blatantly obvious and thoroughly unpleasant. If you're quote-unquote lucky, they often go totally unnoticed, sometimes even by those who are disadvantaged by them, and especially by those who benefit from them, inadvertently or otherwise. Upon learning that labelling someone as leader tends to introduce more assertive behaviour, Banks pondered that being surrounded by images of powerful, successful men and subservient women might make a man feel emboldened to push his own vision more, which was a common frustration among her fellow female musicians, producers and engineers. In fact, an estimated 5% of audio engineers are female and an estimated 6% of the Music Producers Guild are female. Essentially, this means that every piece of music you listen to is likely to have been created entirely by men or filtered through the opinions of men, with what women want to say being diluted or left absent. When you consider the images and narratives we are fed of who leads and controls recording studios, even still today, it's not surprising that women are still so poorly represented in how music is recorded, not to mention whose music gets recorded too. So when women feel like an out-of-place body, or as Puar terms, a space invader, it's understandable why, like in my own example, it's difficult to speak up and share your ideas and opinions. It's also easier to be sidelined or reject a space invader if they do share their opinions or ideas, because as in the case of recording studios, it's easier to presume or tell that person that they just don't understand the process or the space. If you're just a guest, how can you ever really know the rules of the game or be a trusted, reliable voice. And this can undoubtedly lead to a lack of women being assertive in these spaces. Because why bother or risk it if what's waiting for you on the other side is rejection, humiliation, or even losing an opportunity? Unfortunately, this lack of assertiveness can lead to consequences for female artists and producers in how their contribution is outwardly perceived, regardless of what actually went down in the studio. In 2015, Bjork spoke up about how she had been denied credit for the production on her albums for over 10 years. She says, it wasn't just one journalist getting it wrong, everybody was getting it wrong. I've done music for, what, 30 years? I've been in the studio since I was 11. In contrast, Bjork added her co-producer at the time, Arka, had never done an album when I worked with him. And Arka now identifies as a trans woman, by the way. Bjork has also spoken about times when her male co-producers have received exaggerated production credit, specifically in regards to her 2001 album, Vespertine. 
She said, I did 80% of the beats on Vespertine and it took me three years to work on that album because it was all microbeats. Matt Moss came in the last two weeks and added percussion on top of the songs but they didn't do any of the main parts and they are credited everywhere as having done the whole album. Bjork also shared how these experiences have led her to reinforce to young female artists in their 20s that you're not just imagining things implying that she believes there is also a certain amount of gaslighting that goes on around women voicing these experiences on top of the original marginalisation itself. Clearly, if women's stories are to have a voice in the music industry and women are to be able to have opportunities in recording and production, having better assertiveness skills is a vital piece of the puzzle. And I believe there's something bigger going on around why women may not feel comfortable displaying assertiveness in recording studios beyond the fact that they are still largely male-dominated spaces. Culturally, beyond music, assertiveness is a challenging quality for women to unapologetically own. The women's career platform Half the Sky found that in almost 75% of performance reviews, women received negative personality criticism or scored less on likability for behaviour that would be considered positive were it exhibited by their male colleagues. Behaviour is often, if not always, taken in the context of our gender. And Half the Sky found that when women behave in ways that are incongruous with accepted female norms, for example, being assertive and decisive, they are often called out for being difficult and bossy. Women in leadership roles, such as an engineer, producer, or even just the person who wrote the damn music, not only have to strive to be successful as a leader, but also need to overcome the gender bias to be accepted as that leader. In short, men are applauded for being assertive, whereas women get told they are being too aggressive, and that this is a behaviour trait they should feel ashamed of and attempt to change. Often, what also contributes to this distortion of women's expression of assertiveness is a lack of understanding regarding the difference between assertiveness and aggression, because they are absolutely not the same thing. For me, personally, learning the difference between passivity, assertiveness and aggression has been the single most important factor in me feeling better able to operate in music tech spaces as a woman. So let's just spend a little time defining these three traits. Passiveness is defined by remaining inactive and submitting to others or to outside influences. I think this definitely sums up how I thought I needed to or was expected to act in studio environments as a young female musician and singer and how many women behave in these environments too. Aggressiveness is characterised as hostile or even violent behaviour, which is often coupled by determination and forcefulness. It's a quality that has many obvious physical characteristics, such as forceful or invasive body language or speech tone. Often this is where many people get stuck, because if they haven't properly learnt about what assertiveness is, they can think they have only one of these two choices, passivity or aggression. But assertiveness offers a third option. Assertiveness is defined by clearly and respectfully communicating your wants, needs, positions and boundaries to others. Assertive people are firm without being rude. They react to positive and negative emotions and feedback without becoming aggressive or resorting to passivity. So what in practical terms does this mean for women in recording studios? Well, there's three steps I want to share on this, and the first has to be defining your boundaries. One thing to note about assertiveness is how difficult it can be to adopt when you're unclear on where your boundaries are. Furthermore, assertiveness requires you to be clear on which boundaries are negotiable and which are non-negotiable so that you're able to compromise and meet people halfway in ways that won't significantly negatively impact you. 
An example of this in a recording session might be around how your voice is produced. Perhaps you're not keen on someone adding effects like a chorus to your voice part, but you really hate the sound of autotune. Therefore, you might decide that using a chorus is a negotiable boundary, depending on the case someone makes for using it, whereas autotune is one of your non-negotiables. Secondly, we need to dig deeper into your boundaries in order to have the confidence to assert them with others. So in the hypothetical example I just gave, why would autotune be non-negotiable while a chorus wouldn't? Perhaps it's because you personally just really hate the sound of autotune on your music. Well, that's fine. Perhaps it's because you're a purist about your vocal performance being as true as possible. That's fine too. Perhaps it's that you don't mind autotune on some types of music, but you strongly feel that it just doesn't suit your musical genre. Perfectly reasonable as well. But being totally clear on why something is non-negotiable means that if someone questions this in a studio setting, you can assertively state why. Third and last, once you're clear on what your negotiable and non-negotiable boundaries are, it's important to consider how you communicate these to other people. And this is where the really hard work begins. Many people will need a fair amount of practice asserting boundaries if they spent a long time being passive about them or not even knowing what they are. Sometimes it won't go as well as you like. It might be that you feel you cave too soon or fall back into your old passive ways. It might also be that things quickly escalate to aggression, often simply because asserting your boundaries feels new and a little scary and our emotions can become heightened. So it's important to not expect to nail this assertiveness thing right off the bat or expect yourself to get it right every time. What we're looking for is the ability to clearly communicate our needs, thoughts, ideas and boundaries with others without automatically caving in or escalating to aggression if others don't agree or receive them. Now, one thing I want to be really clear on is that anger is not a bad thing to show. There are some situations when this is a really important emotion to demonstrate because it authentically communicates that something has hurt us or has put us in danger. When someone is angry, they are defending themselves from a perceived attack. If we don't show this when it's warranted, it can be incredibly detrimental to us, our relationships and even other people. So when should we show aggression? Well, I would say there's two clear times that communicating anger is actually important. One, when we have already asserted a boundary, perhaps repeatedly, but someone has continued to cross it, ignore it or even disrespect it. This may be overtly intentional or through ignorance or laziness on the other person's part, but it's important to communicate that this has made you angry and that this is not okay and cannot continue. Another time is when someone crosses a boundary that may not have been explicitly stated by you, but they should know is totally unacceptable. A good example of this might be someone sexually harassing another person in a recording studio. This is a time when getting angry is absolutely reasonable. Assertiveness may not be enough to communicate that an important boundary has been crossed, which has potentially endangered you and the relationship as well. And I also want to make it clear that there is absolutely no way that you should take on all the responsibility for increasing your level of assertiveness in recording studio environments. And all too often, we expect and encourage women to strive to be more confident in music technology spaces, when if adjustments were made to those settings and changes made to the overall culture, 
confidence would follow. There is only so far you can go by making changes to your own thoughts, actions and behaviours. And that is not to say that doing this work isn't hugely important. It really is. But it's also important to recognise that everyone in these settings has a responsibility to make them inclusive, respectful and kind. All too often women are just expected to feel more confident in order to better weather an environment that is still unequal, unbalanced and sometimes unwelcoming. And the hard truth is that there will be times when we're totally clear on our boundaries and assert them clearly with other people and are able to explain the reasons we can or can't negotiate on them too and yet they still won't be respected or received. Maybe you'll even be gaslit in the process, being told you're overreacting or that there's no need to get so tetchy. In these situations, it's important to be clear on what happens next for you. Do you stick or do you twist? For me, especially if it's something to do with mine or other people's safety, it's a no-brainer. I am not going to continue that working relationship or work in that environment. Sometimes that means saying no to opportunities like working in a wonderful studio or working on an amazing project. And this is where it can again get really tricky because that's such a hard thing to turn down. As musicians, we graft and hustle and when an opportunity comes along, we're conditioned to say yes at any cost. But there are some boundaries that are just not worth crossing and that will mean turning some things down. In my experience, the opportunities where I've realised I'm not in a respectful or professional environment haven't actually turned out to be as amazing as they had been sold to be. And I look back now and see how it would make very little difference to my career if I'd continued working in those contexts. On the flip side, I know plenty of female friends who have continued recording and production relationships where they have felt unsafe, disrespected or just unfulfilled and have deeply regretted it down the line regardless of the outward success it may have given them. It sucks that you may have to make these choices in your career acting with assertiveness, honesty and personal integrity or taking opportunities you've been told you can't turn down. But for many women that will happen throughout the course of their career especially in studio settings. It's at this point that I'd like to circle back to something I mentioned when I was introducing today's topic, dear listener. What if you're hearing a voice inside yourself saying, I don't want to come across as pushy, or isn't it just better to get along with people? And to this, I would say, number one, I totally get it. I too have heard and continued to hear these questions in my own head. Number two, But I also now know that this is internalised misogyny because it comes from the presumption that women asserting boundaries and expecting their needs to be respected and met is wrong. I'm willing to bet that most women listening to this podcast have a finely tuned internal don't-be-a-bitch barometer that inhibits their expression of assertiveness. We internalise sexist ideals that women should keep the peace, not create conflict, and act as the glue that holds other people together rather than expressing a contradictory viewpoint. We internalise the idea that if we say or do something that upsets others, we should carry that responsibility. If we don't make other people comfortable, we are the problem. This is all internalised misogyny because underneath this is the belief that our needs are less important than other people's because of our gender. If we deviate from behaving according to this rhetoric, we are selfish, difficult and are often shamed and punished as a result. Even if no one around you is telling you this explicitly, you could still be telling it to yourself. 
Not challenging this could mean foregoing your needs, ideas and boundaries when it comes to recording and making music, which inevitably affects how or if women make music at all. A fear of assertiveness could be one of your biggest barriers to making, recording and sharing your music. But life is too short, not twiddlers. And it's with this in mind that I want to offer one final crucial step to feeling more assertive in the recording studio. It actually directly relates to assertiveness in that it is the antithesis of passivity, which is defined by lack of action. I want you to take action now and learn more about recording and production. Make a plan to record your music. Learn how to define the type of recording you would like to make and how you'll need to do it. Learn about the different stages of the recording process and how your recordings will take shape. Get clear on the instrumental parts you might have to or want to record in a studio and the parts you can record yourself at home. And identify the skills and tools you'll need to master in order to have those choices and options. This alone will help you take all the steps we listed before about becoming more assertive because through this process, you'll be able to 1. Define your negotiables and non-negotiable boundaries. 2. Understand why these boundaries are important. And 3. Have a variety of options open to you so you know if these boundaries are not respected, you can still move forward with your music. And it's with exactly this in mind that I've created my new free five-day challenge, the Home Recording Kickstarter, which is happening between the 6th and the 10th of May. Inside, you'll make a watertight plan to record your music once and for all. Together, we're going to decide what type of recording project you want to release, whether that's an EP, an album or something more ambitious. We'll also define which instruments and textures you need to include to realise your creative vision and the tools you'll need in order to make this happen. By the end of the challenge, you'll have a watertight time frame so you know exactly what needs to happen when, and I'll share some key techniques to get you started professionally recording your music from home. As well as this, I'm throwing in a whole live masterclass on developing your assertiveness, so no matter what setting you're recording your music in, at home, remotely, or with others, or in a studio, you'll have the skills to stay true to your boundaries, communicate your ideas, and command respect as an artist. I've designed this challenge to be the most comprehensive framework to plan out your first or next recording project so you can get your music out and into the world without the overwhelm or feeling like you're doing it all alone. Instead, you'll be going through this process with me and a whole host of other female musicians who are there to cheer you on along the way. No more having to rely on favours from male friends of friends. No more having to spend more money than you have or need to on expensive recording time. And no more feeling sidelined as a female artist in the process too. This challenge is the gateway to you recording your music with true independence, integrity and utter joy. And to top it off, you'll even be able to upgrade your challenge experience by taking advantage of VIP group coaching with me and a small number of other female musicians if that's the kind of experience you're looking for. If that sounds amazing, go to femalediymusician.com forward slash challenge to join me inside this free five-day challenge and together let's make a watertight plan to record your music. So I hope today's episode has given you some really practical advice you can use in order to be more assertive in studios and other music tech settings. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, it's important not to generalise women's experiences in these contexts. 
people of all genders can find music tech settings uncomfortable or unwelcoming and some women feel included and respected. But like I also said before, the statistics don't lie and I have also heard so many anecdotal accounts from the hundreds of students I teach that assertiveness is a challenge for many women in recording studios. And many high-profile artists, producers and engineers will further confirm this to be the case. I myself have felt incredibly scared to share my own ideas and thoughts in these spaces, especially when I was younger. The older I get, though, the more assertive I've become, but I do still sometimes observe myself prioritising other people's comfort before my own. Learning more about what assertiveness actually is in comparison to passiveness and aggressiveness has been really valuable for me, as has getting clearer about my boundaries. But just as important has been learning to record my music myself, and having a solid plan is the most important first step you can take in this process. In fact, not making a solid plan in this way is a type of passivity and will mean you're more likely to have to hand crucial decisions over to other people. It's totally okay, no, natural, for you to be calling the shots when it comes to your music, no matter what any internalised misogynistic narratives might say otherwise. And if you'd love to make a solid plan to record your music with me and a whole bunch of amazingly supportive other female musicians, join me inside the Home Recording Kickstarter free five-day challenge. Just go to femalediymusician.com forward slash challenge to lock in your spot. And that's the end of another episode, Knob Twiddlers. But no need for tears before bedtime, because next week I'll be joined by another fab guest, Flaming June, aka Louise Etock. Now, I'm especially excited to bring you this episode because inside, Louise shares how learning to record her music meant she not only recorded a solo album, but also saw her music go on to win an award and receive critical acclaim and radio broadcast too. After years of feeling unsatisfied by studio experiences, Louise's story really does demonstrate how career-changing gaining recording and production skills really can be and what an important investment it is for any female musician. But till then, take care and I'll catch you here soon. Girls Twiddling Knobs is hosted and produced by me, Isabel Anderson, with production support from Jade Bailey. The show notes are compiled by Francesca O'Connor, and this is a female DIY musician production. So, how do you like that episode, dear listener? If you loved it, and you know someone else who would love it too, be a good friend and share it with them. Go on, spread the girls' twiddling knobs love.